0: A word of caution. This episode discusses instances of sexual assault and domestic violence that may be disturbing to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised for anyone under the age of 13. A documentary film crew follows along with a missing persons unit in South Carolina, highlighting the stories behind disappearances of residents young and old a series of phone call hoaxes destroy employees of fast food restaurants over the course of 10 years, and the mastermind may have gotten away with the crimes. Egregious cyber crimes are explored in another docuseries, highlighting just how devastating the hive mind of the internet can be. True crime authors attempt to solve the identity of 1970 skyjacker D.B. Cooper once and for all. Will they be successful? And another 1970s crime is explored with an accused rapist being diagnosed with multiple personalities, both fascinating and dividing the public and professionals in the world of psychiatry. These five true crime shows are currently on the streaming platform Netflix, and I'll take a deeper look at each one. There is much to love about North and South Carolina but the two states have also had their fair share of violent and senseless crimes over the years. From murders on the Blue Ridge Parkway, in the heart of big cities or sleepy college towns, and along the coastal waters, some of these stories may be new to you. Some may have happened in your town. Some may involve people that are still missing to this day. But all will leave you remembering to always be vigilant about the people you meet and the places you go. I'm Renee Robertson. Please join me for Missing in the Carolinas. Episode 60, five Netflix true crime documentaries to kick off summer. I want to begin by discussing the four part docuseries, Missing, Dead or Alive, which features cases that occurred between 2019 and 2021. The series provides a first-hand perspective from Vicki Raines, missing persons investigator with the Richland County Sheriff's Department in Columbia, South Carolina, J.P. Smith, who focuses mostly on missing juveniles, Sergeant Nina Malden, and their captain, Heidi Jackson. The four episodes are all tied together as one long narrative, which made the pacing a little slow at times, but I appreciated the way the storytelling arc was pieced together. This is not filmed in the manner of cops or the first 48. Missing dead or alive initially confused some viewers because it appears to be scripted with footage shot after the cases had been resolved, but made to look like they are occurring in real time. The first episode was moody and dark featuring a missing woman who appeared to be afraid of her adult son. The team discussed lots of circumstantial evidence. The episode also featured red herrings and tension, and then was resolved by the second episode. Three of the four cases featured cases of people who were found to be alive, while only one was actually deceased. I felt the show did a good job depicting the number of cases a missing persons unit is juggling at one time, and how it can be difficult to figure out where to put the most resources. You also never know the twists and turns a missing persons report can take and it takes a heavy toll on the family members as well as the investigators. I won't say too much else about the specific cases featured, other than there are two with older adults and two with juveniles, because I don't want to spoil the series. But I think listeners of this podcast will want to check it out because it features South Carolina specifically. Up next, I want to talk about the three-part series, Don't Pick Up the Phone. This series of phone-call hoaxes to fast-food store managers resulted in many adults being charged with various sexual assault offenses. The gist of the story is that a man pretending to be a police officer called up as many as 100 fast-food restaurants in 32 states over 12 years and convinced managers to strip-search young employees on the grounds that they had either stolen money from customers or committed other crimes. The caller targeted restaurants in small towns and rural communities, areas where the managers were likely to be more trusting. This includes places like Fargo, North Dakota, Leechville, Kentucky, Roosevelt, Iowa, and Raleigh, North Carolina was even mentioned as one of the stores that had reported receiving a hoax call. I'm not exaggerating when I tell you my jaw was on the floor as I watched the first episode, and this is probably a good time to add a sensitive content warning. This docu-series features video surveillance footage from the restaurants with faces and body parts covered up with editing, and many of the offenses were filmed in plain view of the camera. Participants and law enforcement also discussed the harrowing accounts of how these managers were manipulated by what was only a voice on the phone, sometimes for hours, without any proof of the man being an actual police officer. Why would they do that, you might wonder? Stanford University psychologist Philip Zimbardo, who conducted a prison experiment in which college students assigned to play guards became so sadistic the experiment had to be brought to an abrupt halt, said the caller was very skilled in human psychology. He may have even read about psychologist Stanley Milgram, a controversial American social psychologist who conducted obedience experiments at Yale University. You'll learn how two investigators from Kentucky and Massachusetts finally teamed up to figure out how to track down the caller, a man they believed was using calling cards to make the phone calls from payphones in Panama City, Florida. Unfortunately, this case does not end exactly the way you think it will. See for yourself in Don't Pick Up the Phone. I recommend further reading on this series of hoaxes, the aftermath, and how various store managers involved were punished by the legal system. I'm including a list of newspaper article links on the page for this podcast episode at missinginthecarolinas.com. Be sure to check it out. Now, let's discuss the six-part docuseries, Web of Make-Believe, Death, Lies, and the Internet. This is another series that will leave you both angry and concerned about the faith of humanity in the digital age. It explores several stories of how digitally distributed misinformation can contribute to real life chaos and in extreme cases, people getting killed. As an article on the website decider stated, awful people have always been around, but the internet has made access to the general public much easier leading to larger scale chaos. It's a fact of life in the 2020s that's hard to accept, which is why it might be tough to watch this docuseries, and it'll be a harrowing experience for those who do watch. When I read this article, it confirmed what I was feeling while watching. I wanted to yell at the TV, and I longed for the days when technology had much less of an impact and reach on our society. The first episode discusses swatting, which involves people making fraudulent 911 calls to SWAT teams and sending them to innocent people's homes. You'll want to forget the name Tyler Barris, a person I feel is now rightfully in prison for the role he played in the death of an innocent young man named Andrew Finch during a swatting incident with another online gamer. Episode 2 explores the 2016 murder of a Washington, D.C. staffer that results in a wild mix of conspiracy theories. Episode 3 takes a deep dive into how one woman got involved in a leadership role for a white nationalist group. Episode 4 discusses a group of women who were targeted by virtual blackmail demanding sensitive sexual material. And the final two episodes share the stories of hackers and their fraudulent cyber crimes that landed them in the crosshairs of law enforcement. Watch Web of Make Believe Death Lies in the Internet with caution. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. A few years ago, I came across a woman named Erin Sanderson on Instagram, and once I saw her demo the skincare product she had created, I decided to give them a try. I was hooked from the first drop. I use her pre-cleanse oil, hydrating beauty oil, and perfecting night oil almost daily. The pre-cleanse gently removes dirt, impurities, and even waterproof makeup without tugging, and all without stripping or drying out your skin. In addition to keeping your skin clear, it also helps your skin feel firmer and reduces the signs of aging. The hydrating beauty oil is a powerful and effective skin hydrator that never leaves your skin feeling greasy. The signature squalene oil is known for its anti-inflammatory and anti-aging properties, so it's perfect for treating skin conditions like acne and eczema and reducing the appearance of wrinkles. The Perfecting Night Oil is loaded with vitamins E and A and is rich with antioxidants and omegas that nourish skin, replenish elasticity, and reduce stretch marks. A few drops a day leave skin smoother, more vibrant, and even youthful. Altogether, they are the literal dream team of skincare. Want to try out the products for yourself? Go to shopxeran.com and use the code MissingCarolinas10 for a 10% discount on your order. Next, I'd like to talk about Wow Women on Writing. Are you looking to level up your writing or learn a new skill? Whether you focus on nonfiction or are more inclined to creative writing, or want to learn how to put together a digital portfolio of your writing, Wow! Women on Writing can help. Interested in podcasting? On August 16th, I'm hosting a 90-minute webinar titled, You Can Start a Podcast. During this webinar, offered through Zoom, you will learn the benefits of creating your own podcast, materials you need to get started, how to develop content that will keep listeners coming back for more, and ways your podcast can create supplemental income. I'll share Examples of different types of podcasts, how to decide on a format, ways to handle the technology necessary for creating a podcast, how to develop your first few episodes, promotion and monetization ideas, and ways you can repurpose your podcast content. All written materials and resources are provided by me. I'll provide a handout with information discussed in the webinar, along with suggestions for a few different types of podcasts to explore. The session will conclude with a 15-minute Q&A. Best of all, this webinar only costs $35 and is limited to 20 students, so reserve your spot today at wow-womenonwriting.com and click on the Classroom tab. I'll also post a link in the show notes. And now, let's get back to the show. The next docuseries I want to discuss, D.B. Cooper, Where Are You?, explores what I consider to be a much lighter topic. Being born in the mid-1970s, I had heard about this case and remember seeing a segment on Unsolved Mysteries about it, but this documentary filled in many of the gaps for me. It spans four episodes and explains how the skyjacker, known as D.B. Cooper, became a modern-day folk legend after he threatened the employees with a bomb on a Northwest Orient Airlines flight from Portland to Seattle in November of 1971. He then demanded $200,000 in cash and four parachutes before parachuting off the plane somewhere en route to Mexico City. His body was never found, leaving many to believe he successfully escaped. D.B. Cooper has been featured in pop culture in many songs, TV shows, and movies. Fans even created t-shirts praising the mysterious man in black sunglasses for sticking it to the man and executing such a smooth crime without actually hurting anyone. I enjoyed the archival footage and bits of nostalgia featured in this docuseries. It was interesting to see the lack of airline security in the 1970s, as well as the culture of the airlines. The first episode details the plan and the skyjacking. The second episode goes into more detail about why this case became such a pop culture phenomena. The third episode then showcases several different people who were considered suspects at the time. The fourth episode zeroes in on one specific man who claimed to actually be D.B. Cooper. And spoiler alert, we still don't have definitive answers to this question, and probably never will. Author Tom Colbert, brother of Stephen Colbert, wrote a book in 2021 titled The Last Master Outlaw, and he is featured heavily in the series. If you enjoy stories about bank robberies and heists, I think you'll enjoy this one. And you may develop a few of your own theories along the way. In 2020, HBO also produced their own documentary about this case, In the Mystery of D.B. Cooper. And you can find that on the streaming platform, Max. And finally, I want to wrap up with Monsters Inside, The 24 Faces of Billy Milligan. At the time I'm recording this podcast, I have two more episodes to finish, but I still want to give you an overview of this four-part docu-series. 22-year-old Billy Milligan was accused of the kidnapping and rape of four women on the Ohio State University campus in 1977. But after an initial psychiatric evaluation, it appeared Billy had multiple personalities, or what is now known as dissociative identity disorder. Allegedly, a personality named Reagan had committed the robberies, and a female named Adelana was responsible for the rapes. This was several years after the infamous case of Sybil, and her multiple personalities had been made into a book and then a TV movie adaptation. Sybil's psychiatrist, Dr. Connie Wilbur, was one of the first people to examine Billy and make the diagnosis. The first episode covers rapes on the Ohio State University campus, the arrest of Billy Milligan, and interviews with his siblings and childhood friends. The second episode delves into the childhood trauma Billy and his family suffered, mostly at the hands of an abusive stepfather. It then shares archival recordings of his interviews with the psychiatrists and how the DID diagnosis has been known to divide the professional community. A little spoiler here, but Billy was acquitted of the crimes by reason of insanity. He was hospitalized in mental institutions for many years before escaping and living in obscurity. Along the way, he was also briefly married to a woman he met when she was visiting the psychiatric hospital. The third episode details how Billy's case made him somewhat of a celebrity and the fourth details his escape. For years, this case has captivated movers and shakers in the entertainment industry. Author Daniel Keyes, who wrote Flowers for Algernon, published The Minds of Billy Milligan in 1981. James Cameron spent hours interviewing Billy for a potential film project before eventually scrapping it. Billy was also suspected of murdering a roommate who went missing from Washington State in 1986, but investigators were never able to find concrete evidence tying him to a crime. While I believe most viewers will be conflicted on Billy Milligan's actual diagnosis, I think this documentary was well done and provides a compelling look at our country's mental health care system. This brings us to the conclusion of this episode of Missing in the Carolinas. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor and give it a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd also like to support the show in a small way, you can buy me a coffee over at buymeacoffee.com, Renee Robertson. Thank you so much for those who have already supported me through this platform. I'm going to highlight you in an upcoming social media post. We're also now on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, so please like our pages and get started on a discussion of the missing people profiled on the show. Do you know of a missing persons case in North or South Carolina that you think should be covered? Email me at missinginthecarolinas at gmail.com with any details you can share. And don't forget to check out our sponsor, WOW Women on Writing, and the great programs and writing contests they have there at wow-womenonwriting.com. Com. Cover art for this podcast was designed by Macintosh Multimedia. All episodes are researched and written by me, Renee Robertson, with sound editing provided by Daniel Robertson. Thanks so much for listening.